Hooley. On the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Aggressive. I thought Caleb Wesson early on was involved. There was a He uh, moved I back think, in the post. I think there was yes. an effort to actually get him the ball inside. Uh, I thought he moved better. Uh, they shot the ball better as a team. And Aaron's came Arns, Arns, just Arns came off and had a was a difference maker, yep. which he needs to be for this team to go and it was a must win in my eyes. I don't. Yeah, it was a must win in uh, my eyes too. Last night we were talking about Indiana, but uh, now we're uh, talking about uh, Michigan. Michigan. Always nice to beat Michigan. Never tire of that around here in any sport. Yes, absolutely. So uh, good job, uh, basketball Buckeyes. Sixty-one fifty-eight. They can see five hundred now. Spiels. The question is, can they find the off ramp to five hundred as they play at Wisconsin on uh, Sunday? And uh, we don't know if they're going to have Luther Muhammad. He hurt his shoulder last night. and um, But he was back on the bench and cheering uh, his heart out. And I hope he was cheering for Caleb Wesson, who I've been hard on at times. But, boy, Caleb Wesson was fantastic last night. Well, I saw your tweet, and I watched the game, and I agree with you. That was his best game, I think, as a, a Buckeye. Effective inside and outside. Two, two things that stuck out to me, right? We talk about consistent scoring. Somebody has to step up. Dwayne Washington was 17 off the bench, mm-hmm. taking it to the hole, hitting a big three. Yep. Uh, Kyle Young, um, the, obviously the two big free throws there Ooh. at the end were huge. When a guy that's shooting 52%, I was able to nail those. But the thing I loved, every time Michigan answered, Ohio State answered, they didn't wilt. And that's, I think, what we're, we were looking for. When you talk about toughness, uh, obviously, it was a physical basketball game. I mean, Jay Billis, who I love and is great, just wouldn't shut up about the officiating. So that drove you crazy? But, it, well, as an analyst. I, you, saw, you, I you, saw people on Twitter. Dave Biddle from Bucknuts said, yeah, Billis, I think he, he was indicated that he was tired of Billis's. I mean, you make the point. Are. You yeah. made the point, and you made it numerous times. You, yeah. There comes a point in time where you don't have to continue to make the point. And. In all fairness, I think I'm guilty of that sometimes, but usually I have somebody check me on that. It's time to move on. Yeah. And I think Jay just is so adamant about that feeling that he has that he can't move on. But anyway, that's beside the point. The toughness that I saw was that every time Michigan was able to do something, Ohio State was able to answer. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm looking for, and it was a great win. I don't think it was a good win. I think it was a great win not only because of how they won – but doing it on the road against what uh, some, I, I don't know if the, it's not the Ohio State Michigan football rivalry, but I assume it's still a rivalry in basketball. Well, it is. And uh, I agree with you. It was a game where they could have, we've talked about their lack of toughness, and they could have found reasons to bail last night. Oh, I didn't get that call, or oh, man, you know, but they persevered. And, you know, they don't DJ Carton, they didn't have Luther Muhammad for a while. Um, they weren't shooting well. I mean, for a while, I mean, like Andre Wesson had, while Caleb had one of his best games, Andre had one of his worst games. Andre didn't really contribute much at all. Uh, Muhammad, Andre, C.J. Walker, I think were combined like 0 for 9 in the first half. Uh, but Dwayne Washington made enough shots. He got cold at the end, then hit a big three off a pass from Caleb Wesson. That's why I would say that it was Caleb's best all-around game. Because defensively, Caleb wasn't in foul trouble, and man, did he win the matchup with John Teske. Like, yeah. Teske's one for seven. So, great uh, great win by Ohio State. Now, Wisconsin, we'll see if they can get to 500, and if they can somehow find a way to win that on Sunday, uh, they'll be in pretty good shape. 
I think, in the Big Ten. Because you just want to be uh, – I mean, you want to be a great team in the Big Ten, but they are not going to be that because they've lost too many home games. But if they get to 500 in the Big Ten with their non-conference wins, they're going to have a decent seed in the NCAA tournament as opposed to being like a you know a 10 or an 11 or something Yeah, I, like think, that. The, I think their ceiling is a 5. Yeah, I think that's their ceiling. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Five to nine, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere there. in there. But I mean, hey, the way they were going, you can't ignore their non-conference wins. But I was like, you know, they might end up in a play-in game in Dayton, which yeah. I would have a couple two weeks ago. I'd have taken that, given <laughs> given where they were. All right, so uh, good news on the basketball Buckeye front. But there's uh, I buried the lead. Happy National Signing Day, Spiels. When is that? Today. <laughs> I was thinking about Ohio State's. Well, I look forward to your articles. Where can I find your articles uh, on National Signing Day? So I can. I thought we already had this. Apparently, there's two of them now. Uh, si.com backslash college backslash Ohio State. Okay, and I will look for okay the, all the info because oh, I yeah. know how much you enjoy covering eighteen year olds. I'm sure they're going to be frustrated with me at SI today because I don't make a big deal out of this, and I'm going to plead that Ohio State's already had its Christmas. I don't know if when you were a young man growing up in the bungalow. Uh, with your mom, dad, and Rick, if you ever, like, we had Christmas one year on, like, December the 21st because all of us got new suits. December 21st was a Saturday. Mom and dad wanted us to wear the suits to church on Sunday, so we had Christmas, like, way early. Christmas came early for Ohio that's State. That's all you got was a suit? No, we got a lot of stuff, but, that's, I mean, uh, well, not a lot of stuff. We got that's equal stuff. to getting a lump of coal. Yeah, it's like socks and underwear, Here, which I think we got socks and thanks underwear. For the, thanks for yeah, the suit. suit. What am I supposed to do with this thing? <laughs> but uh, they open Ohio State's opened its Christmas presents and has already mm-hmm. been playing with their Christmas presents because they got 14 guys from their signing class already on campus working out. And we're going to get to meet them today, including uh, C.J. Stroud the and Jack Miller, I guess, the two guys uh, who will fight out for quarterback of the future and the one of whom will most assuredly transfer out of here because yeah. that's what quarterbacks do now. Well, I... I mean, it's it's. I guess it's interesting to a point, but I don't count on any freshman, to be honest with you, nor should anybody. Uh, I think other schools you can count on freshmen, yep. uh, impact players, but Ohio State, because of their depth, because of their um, pipeline, not only to the playoff, it seems like a pipeline, you're almost guaranteed some point in your career to be in a Big Ten championship game in a yep. playoff, but the pipeline to the NFL uh, the freshmen that come in, you might have some impact or you might be a role player, but to see uh, guys that are, are superstars or automatically have a huge impact on a team, I think is going to be a rarity at Ohio State uh, moving forward. And I think Urban Meyer, for the most part, now you have maybe an outlier here or there, for the most part eliminated that because of the great players that he continually has recruited. I mean, we tout every recruiting class coming in here. This guy, this guy, this guy. We just have to have a chance, and, and half of them will probably be redshirted, so we won't even hear about him next year. Yeah, maybe, although I I don't know. I think now if you get a kid who's a four- or a five-star, you might as well play him because he could blow up in a single season and be gone. They ran into that with uh, pretty much with the uh, Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, Sean Wade was almost in that situation this year. Sean Wade redshirted. Then when he finally got his chance to get on the field in his third year, boom, he's probably yeah. a first-rounder. He's coming back. But I don't know the wisdom in redshirting guys. Years ago, they did that with Sean Springs. They redshirted Sean Springs. Sean played. Bye-bye. He's out of here. So well, a lot of it, some of them might have a nick or an injury. We know yeah, that. So yeah. that's a medical redshirt. Some of it sometimes is age, too. There might be a, 
you know, there's probably 17-year-old kids probably, coming yeah. in here, right? Yeah. And so you want to get a year of growth and maturity and working with Mickey and nutrition and everything, all the advantages Ohio State has to ha- uh, offers. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I, it's exciting for some people. To me, uh, it, it, I'll hear about these guys in year two. I think Ohio State guys in year two, they're, they're major contributors. Year three, if you are uh, excel and if you live to your five-star ranking, yeah. then you're probably looking at, well, maybe it's time for me. Should I come back to school after year three or should I continue on? So you have well, to be, what, three years removed from your high school class. Correct, yeah. I, I think we'll hear from a wide receiver or two next year just because when you lose Victor, yeah, Garrett Wilson this year would be a guy that Yeah, that I was trying to on. think. I think they're in the same kind of situation as a team this year that they were going into 2019. They got a lot of veterans back. They're really good. They've recruited well. So new guys who've been here are going to have opportunities. Uh, and last year, the am I missing somebody? The freshman, you say, oh, what well, freshman made an impact? Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. But is there anybody but that's, else? But that's there's no, really nobody else. I, I don't I don't recall. Garrett Wilson made an impact. He's a great player. Yeah, I mean, he he's going to be a great player. Yep. He's smooth. He's showed tremendous maturity. Great hands, poise, all the things you want in a wide receiver. Uh, field awareness, route running ability, all that stuff. But by that nature of that position, because uh, State will play six to seven wide receivers mm-hmm. in a football game, receivers are going to get more of an opportunity to be able to make a stand and, and make their name known as a freshman as opposed to an offensive lineman where you want to pretty much keep those same five guys in there. You might get a young defensive lineman that will give you 10 to 12 plays a game. Yeah. But other than that... Zach Harrison last year is a good example. Yeah. A really good player coming in, freshman. Made some yeah, plays. Made some plays, yeah. But he's a he's a backup guy. Got to pick your spots. He's, what a luxury it has yeah. to have. It is to have Zach Harrison as Ooh. a backup guy. I mean... Just think of every other school uh, where Zach Harrison would have been a starter. Step but right I mean, yeah, when that's right what in. I admire kids uh, nowadays too. When they choose to come to Ohio State, knowing that you've been a star your whole life, knowing that you've never missed a down, coming in pretty much probably saying, "Hey, I'm not going to be playing much." I mean, that's that's a lot to take for a young guy. And so I admire these kids. They're willing to be patient and put their time in. That when they get their opportunities, they usually shine. But like like we said, I mean, it's the nature of the position too. I mean, obviously a defensive lineman where there's rotational positions, mm-hmm. mainly receiver and defensive line. The biggest question I have for Ohio State football next year is that I think Master Teague is a B. Uh, I think he is a, not B, C, D, yeah, F. He, yeah, as yeah. A, he's, he's a B. He's a B. Okay. I don't know who's the A. J.K. Dobbins was an A, okay? I don't know who – they need an A. I haven't seen the A. I don't know if the A's on campus. Now, I'm not uh, disparaging Master Teague. I think he has a nice role. I think he's a 10 to 15 carry a game guy. Or if you get in a ground or if he gets on a little bit of role, that's fine. But I I don't see the J.K. Dobbins, Zeke Elliott – that type of running back. Now, maybe he's in the building. I don't know. But that's what I'm looking to find out. Is there going to be somebody that's a running back at Ohio State that is a little bit different than Master Teague? We know what Master Teague is. He's a bruiser, right? Is he J.K. Dobbins? No. 
He's not even close to J.K. Dobbins. What are you What are you smiling about? I'm smiling because in my Wayback Machine, I think you'll agree with this, we would have said exactly the same thing about Eddie George after his sophomore year. I think Eddie George is a B. He's a goal line power back. Don't think he can be a home. Coop used well, to complain about Eddie going into his junior year. He doesn't hit enough home runs. Doesn't take it the distance. Yeah. And Eddie became that. So I, I don't think there's anybody who's going to get ahead of Master Teague on the depth chart. And I'm not as willing as you are to say that uh, he can't become elite. I didn't say he can't become okay. that. I'm, I thought I'm that going was kind on, of the vibe I got. I'm going on the information that I have yeah, right well, now. That's all we have. Yeah, yeah that's uh, if true. <laughs> There we go. Thank you, Mr. CNN. If true. All networks, really. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, uh, but I'm just telling by the style of how he runs to be able to make people miss in space, uh, the breakaway speed. I I think he has some very good characteristics, and I just don't know. There's got to be somebody else besides Master Teague. There has that's to be. That's a spot where there's room for a freshman. That, that, no doubt. At so, running back. Or, or or somebody that's already in the building. Yeah, Demario McCall or whoever else. Well, we don't know who's – I mean, giant gains can be made in the offseason and spring ball and practices where all of a sudden the light goes on for a guy mm-hmm. and uh, he develops and grows and grows into that position and takes advantage of his opportunities. That's the position – that I am waiting to see. They have uh, really talented wideouts. Brian Hartline's crushed it in recruiting. He's crushed it in coaching. I expect soon to hear about uh, a raise for Ryan Day. I expect Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline's in the you middle. You mean Ryan Day to give Brian Hartline a raise or Ryan Day I mean getting Ryan a raise? Day to, I mean Ryan Day to get a raise. Uh, but I also, Hartline's in the middle of his contract. He has a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. He's fulfilled one year. He's, he or Matt Barnes jockey back and forth for lowest paid guy on the staff. Hartline, look, he's not leaving because this is just – I could see Brian Hartline being here 20 years. I think the career track for Brian Hartline is eventually he's going to move up to offensive coordinator, assistant head coach. All that's down the road years and years and years away. Uh, but Hartline, I, I think he's just merit. he merits a raise. He just does. I mean, he's way down below. you got guys like – Alfred and and uh, Alfred, I think, makes eight hundred grand, and Tony Alfred does a great job. I'm not saying he's not worth that. Greg Madison makes a million one. We'll find out soon, probably what Kerry Combs is going to make as defensive coordinator. Hartline's uh-huh. under four hundred. Well, I mean, yeah, there's experience, right? In the only like in anything, and you and I have experienced this in radio. We've I've experienced this in TV, and you've experienced it in your writing career, and I've experienced it in the NFL. You only make money if you have leverage. I w- I don't know what yeah. Brian has leverage now. If Luke Fickle takes the Michigan State job, mm. maybe li- Ryan has Brian has leverage. That's an interesting little twist I hadn't thought of as we were going to transition into the D'Antonio. Well, I see you had your go green, go white I shirt on. I wore, in my, honor I wore of my green. I even Coach have green. Dino. I even have green on underneath yeah. it because Coach I, you Dino know, this is the only green stuff I own. But uh, you know, I just feel a little. Um, sad today because when you lose a guy who brings such boundless joy and outward effervescence from the Big Ten Conference like Mark D'Antonio does, a guy with a thundering laugh and an awesome sense of humor uh, and a radiant smile, when you lose a guy like that, a little light goes out of the Big Ten. No, Dino's a good coach. He's a good guy. But, man, I wish he would have enjoyed or at least displayed more joy 
because he shares the same faith we do. I wish he would have displayed more joy in doing what he did. He looked miserable a lot of the time, and he looked miserable and tired last night. He made a right decision. He just made it two months too late. Well, he also got a $4.3 million bonus. Yes, he? he did. So January I think he, the 15th. I think he made it exactly on time, to be honest with you. Well, uh, two weeks ago would have been better than last night. The night before the night before signing day, What's the? why did he do it last night? Why didn't he do it tomorrow? I, I think it's very personal. I can't answer that question. I know that when you define yourself as a football coach for your entire adult life, that you don't come to that decision easily. I think there's a point where... You ask yourself, do I still want to keep doing this? Then mm-hmm. you try to talk your – there's a point, I believe, where you try to talk yourself into keep doing it. Yeah, he did after the season. He said, I'm coming back next year. Then, you know, things add up. Obviously, there's some issues at Michigan State. There were uh, that sexual uh, scandal issue up there in the mm-hmm. dormitory. There was a problem with a coach. There were recruiting violations. There's a lawsuit right now that the alleges, lawsuit. and the lawsuit came out yesterday, or at least some of the – I read the whole lawsuit, some, or I read the whole article in Detroit News. Some about of the that. discovery on the lawsuit, at least the media became aware yesterday of the allegations in the lawsuit, and it and it alleges that Mark D'Antonio committed NCAA violations at Michigan State with this one kid who was trouble, but too much talent to ignore his baggage. Yeah, he took a shot on a guy. Yeah, I mean, and they uh, do that a lot at Michigan. Well, State. you yeah, know it's what? One of the benefits of that it, job is you can get guys in there that some schools can't get in. Just a lot of schools do that a lot. Yeah, on, they do. Guys. No they, doubt. You have to. And I'm actually a proponent of that. It's just I think you have to pick and choose mm-hmm. you guess the right. number. And you better have a program in place. And it's almost, for me, I don't know if you're allowed to do this or what's within the NCAA rules. When you take a shot on a guy and if you read about that kid's record, his, he's had issues since he's been 11 years old or, mm-hmm. or if I – Remember that correctly out of the article. Well, I don't want to speak out of turn, so yeah, that's just what I recall. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't mean to be. He's just had issues before he got to Michigan State. More than one issue before he right. got to Michigan State. Right. That's accurate. So when you t- you better have a plan in place, almost like a probation. You got one shot. Any screw up, you're done. And, and I think that's the I. I the, under the guys, that's how I would take a guy and give him a second opportunity or offer opportunities because, believe it or not, I mean, I am a believer in giving opportunities because I know some of the backgrounds and some of the social circumstances that surround these kids mm-hmm. and that if you can give them an opportunity, you can help them get out of that um, a circle of misfortune or circle of difficult circumstances and give them a chance to excel now, whether they take it or not, that's ultimately going to be up to them. And the other issue was with that coach that was fired, uh, there was a recruiting violation where that coach said he went in and sat with the recruit. He wasn't allowed to visit off campus. Antonio said he actually sat in a car while Antonio went in. You know, it's it's all petty. Uh, not, I mean, that part of it's petty to me. I, it's just ridiculous, some of the NCAA rules. Nevertheless, they're the rules. You have to follow the rules. I think there is a, such a thing as burnout. I think if anybody is a pitcher of burnout, and I don't know what he feels internally, but externally, the pitcher of burnout is Coach D'Antonio. Now, I would like to say this. I've had issues with uh, Coach D'Antonio over the years. Uh, I, I've actually had an argument with him 
I've have a um, actually done favors for him. I've actually have a, a good relationship with him. I have a lot of respect for that man, a ton of respect. I know that his players, his ex players, have a ton of respect for him. Uh, they love the guy, and he gave everything he had to Michigan State, yeah. and he has no more to give. And I like I said, at least from the perspective that from the press conference externally, he's done. Right, you can't keep doing this, and you can see the wear and tear that it takes on a human being. Uh, look for no further than when Urban Meyer was at Florida, mm-hmm. and the burnout that Urban had. It just consumes you, and I think it got to the point where, and I tell my brother this, I told myself this, I told Urban Meyer this, I would tell Mark D'Antonio, you can't ever let it get to a point where the consumption of the job controls you. Everything about your life is controlled by the job and every circumstance of the job, winning and losing, players making good decisions, players making bad decisions. When your life is determined uh, and your life journey and your happiness is determined by the job, then it's time to go. It's time to leave and find something else to do. Yeah, and that's true of every profession. Uh, Exactly. So, you know, indisputably, Mark D'Antonio is an outstanding defensive football coach and did a great job at Michigan State. He's the all-time leading uh, coach, you know, in victories at Michigan State. Three Big Ten titles at Michigan State in 13 years. That's great. That's fantastic. And and and, and he owned Michigan for a long yeah, time. Yeah, he did. He owned the rivalry. He up was there for very a competitive against Ohio State. He gave uh, Urban more trouble than anyone right. in the Big Ten. That's not to say he dominated Urban. He was two and five. I would argue the two wins quite likely cost Ohio State at least one and maybe two national championships. Yeah. The win in the 2013 Big Ten championship game when Michigan State was in the legends and leaders era was in the other half of the conference. Ohio State wins that game. It's the final year of the BCS era. They're number two in the country going into that game. They're playing in the national championship game against Notre Dame and Monti Teo. The thing I want to say about Mark D'Antonio is I have one thing to say. Congratulations. It's time. And I'm I'm happy for actually his – I don't know if he has a son. I know he has daughters. Yeah. His wife and his daughters, I'm happy for them because, you know, I I do think, I mean, this was a guy that had a heart attack. Now, you can say it was coaching or not coaching, but certainly the stress of coaching Mm -hmm. is not good for the heart, right? I mean, we we can agree with that. So I'm happy that he is uh, uh, retiring. I hope he steps back. I hope he enjoys life and look back. And I think, you know, whatever, every coach has issues, right? The great Lou Holtz had an issue at every university he was at, correct? At Arkansas, yeah. at South South Carolina, yeah. Yeah. at oh, Notre yeah. Dame he even oh, had issues. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And so, you know, when you're in that profession, you're going to have a lot of good things happen to you and there are going to be bad things going to happen to you. And, and that no different for Mark D'Antonio, no different than Urban Meyer. But this, I, I think Mark gave his, his all. I think he was great for Michigan State. I think it was the absolute right move to step away, and it's time for Michigan State to move on. And well done, Coach Dino. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, His other win, of course, over Ohio State was 2015. That uh, Buckeye team that was the defending national champions started the year unanimous number one, first time ever. Struggled with the jockeying of Cardale and JT Barrett. 
uh, final regular season game at home, next to last game of the regular season, senior day. Uh, D'Antonio comes in, and even with Connor Cook, his quarterback injured, wins with a backup quarterback on the walk-off field goal. Uh, so that one, I think that team, had it got into the playoff, yeah. would have uh, would have won oh, the yeah. title. So yeah. uh, think of that urban legacy if he had three national titles. So And then he lost to him twice by scores of 17-16. to 16. So five of the losses, two of them were 17-16 losses. So, uh, yeah, great job on the field. Now, uh, here's Mark D'Antonio yesterday when uh, asked about the curious timing of his um, resignation and the difficulty it puts Michigan State in, if in fact it does, in attracting um, an outstanding successor. Finding yeah. your successor, and, and will you have any role whatsoever in, in helping? Are you kidding me? People will run to here. They'll crawl here. Michigan State will get an outstanding football coach that will care about young people. They have a great foundation coming back. Uh, this program has won a lot more than it's lost. Uh, as indicated by 13 years and what has been what has happened here. Um, they're on the threshold of building new facilities. Um, there are so many things happening here. Yeah, there sure are with the lawsuit and possible NCAA investigation. That was kind of a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a sunshine and balloons answer because there's difficulty. I mean, who wants that? Who wants to take that job now? What kind of assistant coaches can you get? The two names that come up most prominently, Pat Narduzzi, Longtime Mark D'Antonio defensive coordinator who's at Pitt. But the main name and the name that I gather from looking at the media reports and everything, the name that will excite people is Luke Fickle. Yeah, and don't forget, another exciting figure to interview is Pat Shermer. Yes. Yes, Pat Shermer. And uh, I I don't think I live well enough to get uh, Pat Shermer up there. <laughs> if you want details, you're going to have to find it on Twitter. Because I would be loving the fact that we'd get Pat. Well, in a position where I could occasionally pay attention to what Pat has to say. Well, you know, Pat Shermer. pearls of wisdom. Former Michigan State QB Pat Shermer. Uh, actually, center. But well, was he a center? Yes. Okay. But don't ever let accuracy get away from a good story. If you want details, you have to find it on Twitter. <laughs> I should have looked that up on Twitter. I should have. Sorry, Pat. He was an excellent football player and I think is a really good coach. I know you don't like him. No, I like him. I think, I think he's, he's a really funny. good offensive coordinator. Replacing Mark D'Antonio with Pat Shermer would be like replacing Eeyore <laughs> with Droopy. <laughs> so you're saying there's not much of a difference. Uh, I don't think Luke Fickle's in the bag. I don't think Narduzzi's in the bag. Uh, so locked lead pipe cinches yeah. to want it or take it if offered? You don't well, think that's I, I think a they'd lead have to cinch? educate themselves and, and try to get a feeling. And when, when I... Mark D'Antonio is defending his actions and defending his program. He's doing yeah. exactly what I would do if yeah. I were in his position, mm -hmm. right? And and promoting what he has done in 13 years and also saying what's coming as far as facilities. Now, you know, a lot of his – I was reading this article in the new Detroit News yesterday that a lot of his uh, attorneys say these lawsuits, everything is bogus about all this. It's all sure. trash. Or, well, I mean – that's what they say. Of course, that's what they're going to say. They're his attorneys. Yeah. Well, that's their version of it, and that's his version of it. And that very well may be his truth. But as if I'm a guy that's up for that job, I'd have to educate myself on the situation. Then I'd have to make a decision. I mean, Luke has it pretty good at Cincinnati. Right? Luke has recruited better than anybody in the AAC. He's won 11 games in back-to-back -back seasons. And he's a smart guy, and he knows he can be selective because he knows Cincinnati's not going in the dumper unless they have an amazing number of injuries and bad right. luck. He's going to have opportunities 
after the 2020 season and and on and on and on. But he's making good money at Cincinnati. Really good. And, and here's the thing. at the, In the American, he can compete for a championship every year, and yeah. that's good enough for Cincinnati. Yeah. At Michigan State, you've, you're expected to compete for Big Ten championships every year, in my opinion. Every year? I think I think I think I think Mark D'Antonio raised that standard a little bit. I think if you win a Big Ten championship there every four years, I was going to say five to seven. Okay, because if you're good enough to win it every five to seven, you're good enough to be in the well, mix somewhere else in that time. I, I, think I yeah, it's a it's above Iowa, where Iowa is a program where you cycle and like every five years you take your shot at Iowa. It's above Iowa, and slightly below Wisconsin. No, I, I, well, because of the division it's in, it's slightly below Wisconsin. If yeah. Michigan State was in the West, they could win it. I mean, I think Michigan three out of every State, five years. Uh, Michigan. I mean, what's the difference between Michigan State and Penn State? And see, you that's think- the thing too. I, I agree with you on that. A lot of people say, "Oh, you don't want that job because you're in the same division with Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State." No, you're in the same division with Ohio State. That's the difference. Exactly. Is it, the other two, there's no reason that's, why you can't be better than those other two. That's why I'm saying every four or five years, you got to be able to get Ohio State. Yeah, and you Mark do. D'Antonio was able to he do that. He was able to do that. Or at least scare the heck out of Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. And, and that's what you'd have to do and compete with. You're right. Like if there's Luke no Fitt, reason the other two could. I think I think the reason I would hire Luke now I don't know I mean I follow Cincinnati because it's in the state of Ohio I really like Pat Narduzzi I've liked Pat Narduzzi and I've known Pat Narduzzi a very long time I used to watch Pat Narduzzi's uh, dad's Sunday morning football show Youngstown State Penguin highlights with Bill Narduzzi who his father was a head coach at at Youngstown State. Uh, Pat's a as uh, genuine. I don't know if you know Pat. I don't, he's not he's at about all. as genuine as they get. Uh, he and Luke are basically the same guy. I don't know how Pat recruits. I know how Luke recruits, mm-hmm. and I know what what I know Luke very well. And I think Luke would be my number one target. And sure. I'm not saying that because he's my friend. I'm just saying that because I think he'd be nine, my number one target. Pat Narduzzi has a lot invested in Michigan State. I know all his players love Coach Narduzzi at Pitt. I knew all the players when he was at Michigan State loved playing for Pat Narduzzi. He's a little more outgoing than Coach D'Antonio. I think he's got a little bit more... Well, fun in him, I guess. So is that couch over there? It's a little more well, yeah. Outgoing well, well, and that's but that was his style, bro. At least you know what <laughs> with Mark D'Antonio, at least it was consistent. Yeah, it was. You know, it was consistent. He was consistently mm. angry. You know, and, yeah, and yeah. but that's the thing, though. Too. Curmudgeon. And, and here's the thing, though. I was curmudgeon as a player. I was. Look at all the personality well, you exude now. Tell the people what curmudgeon means. You were not curmudgeon as a player. You were when the Lions lost. Get to Spielman's locker first because exactly. it's going to be really good. It was like I wanted a yeah. Well, that was never Mark D'Antonio. Never. No. And that's fine. You don't have to be that way. Uh, I will say, I think Luke Fickle is the grand slam hire for Michigan State because there's an opportunity right now it to fits. recruit to recruit Ohio yeah. because Harbaugh's not recruiting Ohio. And Ryan Day's really not recruiting Ohio to the level that Jim Tressel did and Ohio State coaches have over the years. Ryan Day, and I'm not saying he's making the wrong decision. No. I'm just saying if you can go out and get national five stars, I understand. I'm not going to say I agree with it, but I understand mm. why they do it rather than take four stars from Ohio. 
but there are really good football players from the state of Ohio who, if Ohio State's not offering them, and they're not, uh, and I'm not again, it's not a mistake. It's just the, it's the reality. Luke Fickle can get those guys and get them to Michigan State, and that can be a very productive way for a Michigan State program to be relevant like it's been relevant under Mark D'Antonio. Why in recruiting, why Luke would have the edge over Narduzzi is because Luke is a name in Cincinnati. Yeah. And anybody that follows college football understands that Cincinnati is a hotbed of talent with all the parochial schools down there yeah. and the athletes in all the city schools and, and the athletes in the parochial schools. They just have great football in Cincinnati because kids go from all over the place, to Boston College, to Notre Dame, everywhere. I mean, every time I'm in the NFL, I'm with Tom Brenneman, right? Tom Brenneman is Mr. Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And all he that's an Addy boy. That's an Addy boy. That's yeah. an Addy. Every week in the NFL. Yeah. So Luke has that name. So if I'm Michigan State, I'm looking at that and saying, well, if I want Luke Fickle, I know this. I know his name in the state of Ohio, and I know that he can recruit in the Cincinnati area plus the whole state of Ohio. And to your point, Ohio State's not taking them all. Ohio State's only taking the best out of the best yeah. in the state of Ohio, and there are many good football players in the state of Ohio. Luke can go in there and beat Jim Harbaugh. He can go in there and beat this guy, this guy, this guy for that guy. And 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 I think Pat, though, here's the thing. If I'm arguing for Pat and I'm in that room and we're discussing coaches, <clears throat> Pat obviously is from Youngstown, Ohio, so Northeast Ohio. So Pat has ties in Ohio. So both those guys, I think if I had my choice, if I were Michigan State making this decision and I would line up and order the coaches that I would want, Luke Fickle, number one, Narduzzi, number two, and it's a close two. It's a close two, and Shermer, number three. I, don't, I wouldn't even look talk to any other guys. I, I wouldn't talk to any other guys because when you look at those three guys, we mm-hmm. always talk about this, that is a fit, man. It's It fits perfectly. Yeah, Narduzzi's got, uh, I mean, you've got a small uh, sample size with Luke compared to Narduzzi. He's been a pit longer. I think Narduzzi's been in a very winnable league, and he hasn't won it, and he hasn't finished in the top 25. And now he scared the bejeebers out of Clemson a couple times and beat him once, so he can do it. But I think uh, Luke is a higher upside, and I would go with Luke over Narduzzi, and I wouldn't even look at Shermer. Uh, I'd go for uh, I'd go completely outside. If I can't get Narduzzi or Luke, who both are like, I mean, Luke went to Cincinnati. D'Antonio came from Cincinnati, worked under D- Dino at Ohio State when Dino was the defensive coordinator in 02, 03. Fickle is the perfect choice. Right. He maintains the culture. The good, I think the good part of the culture up there. Uh, Narduzzi, same, but I think Luke's just, I, I just think Luke has a higher upside. Beyond that, I go way opposite. I go Brian Harson, Boise State. I go offensive guy. I go somebody from outside. How did that work when everybody. you went John L? Well, that didn't. I don't. <laughs> I'm not saying go John L. I mean, well, that Brian was Harson's, going way opposite. That well, was high flying offense. It and, was, but John John L's a little, little out there. Crazy town. Don't go to Crazy Town to get your coach. Brian Harson's a, been a winner at Boise State. Big winner at Boise State. So I'm just saying. Now, here's how I – you mentioned a key word earlier in this podcast about Brian Hartline. You said Brian Hartline doesn't have or may not have what? Leverage. Luke Fickle has leverage. Yes, he does. So here's – if I'm Luke, 
I liken the Michigan State situation right now, early February, with Mark D'Antonio resigning, not not at an optimum point on the calendar, with the unknown about the lawsuit and the NCAA and la, la, la. If sometimes you walk in a building and you go, man, that's a funny smell. What is that smell? And it, it's not like driving you crazy, and it's not like you can't exist in the in the place. But you're like, eh, I find. It. And then you you wander around, and the smell gets stronger and stronger, and you find the smell. Maybe you open up a closet, and you're like, whoa, that's the Michigan State job right now. There's like this hint, this whiff of, I don't know, that doesn't that doesn't smell right. But they don't know where the real or if there's a real stinky mess in there. So if I'm Luke Fickle and I go in there, I'm like, all right, if we get a year probation, I get for every year probation we get, or for every X number of scholarships we get taken away, I get two years added to my contract, or I get X number of dollars, or I get, I'm like, I ain't going in here with this little stinky bit and finding out later I got a huge mess to clean up. Right. I agree with you. That's that's why I, I did say that before anybody takes that job, they need to educate themselves on the situation, what's coming. But I don't think they can. I don't um, think you can know right now. You can't know. NCAA investigations take well, I think, time, and like you Like you have said, time. you can put conditions on yeah, that. Absolutely. That's the only way to protect yourself. And a good agent and a good negotiator will do that, and that is leverage that you can use. In your contract, um, that's that's one thing that I would absolutely advise. And if I were in that position, I would say, hey, you know, if we go on probation, that's a year added to my contract. If I lose ten scholarships, that's a year added to I'd my add contract. More than that, it'd be it'd be more than that because it takes more than a year to dig out from one year probation or five scholarships. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I I, I do think though, whoever's the coach, we will see uh, something we haven't seen in Michigan State in a couple years, and that would be offense. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, But only we uh, we buried the lead on this a little bit. I did. My bad. I wrote up for SI.com that it's a little bit amazing that Mark D'Antonio was Jim Tressel's. Jim Tressel is Mark D'Antonio's mentor. This guy patterned his coaching career, coaching style after. Mm -hmm. And there's similarities in Dino's departure and Tress's departure. Tress's was in May, not ideal time. Dino's day before signing day, not ideal. And the package ties up in a nice tidy bow in that the interim coach at Michigan State is Mike Tressel, who is Jim Tressel's nephew, the son of Dick Tressel. Correct. Yeah, so Mike Tressel. Mike Tressel's been with Mark D'Antonio since Cincinnati, so like 17 years. And is a, the co-defensive coordinator. Yeah, I Michigan remember when State. he went to Cincinnati, he came from Ohio State. He was here, GA, you know, he was mm-hmm. a run, you know, run around. He's the interim the, head coach right now. Do the grunt now. work. He's the interim coach right now. And he might end up with it for – a little while, they might go interim for a year. If Narduzzi and Fickle say no, he might get it for a year, and then you, you then you get a year to evaluate your, him. Your tryout, but Mike, yeah, you know, yeah. So the so there's a trestle in the coaching tree, and he's good for him. He's come up through the ranks. He's yep. progressed. He's defensive coordinator, and Youngstown, hey, can't argue their defense has been good. Youngstown State job is open. That's right, Bo Pelini off to LSU. The Youngstown State job still open. They haven't filled that. No, not yet. Well, there's I think Mike, Mike Dressel. I, Mike Dressel will be perfect for that. Well, the problem that. is Mike probably makes – I'm just guessing. A defensive coordinator in the Big Ten average – Well over half a million. Yeah. yeah. Or right I, 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 Well, I, I would say close to seven or 800000 yeah. yeah. At Youngstown State as a head coach, you probably make two hundred to two thirty. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I do think no. there's a guy to keep your eye on at Youngstown State if anybody's interested. I mean, this is only because it ties into the story. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
is Mike Zordich. I don't know if you remember Mike, Mike Zordich. Zordich. Notre Dame? Yeah, and, and from Youngstown and uh, would, is a defensive back coach, I believe, at Michigan now. So it's a, a chance for him to escape Michigan. Get and out he's you a, can, uh, Zordich. And Zordich played in the NFL, and <laughs> uh, Zordich knows Trestle. It'd be a good young guy. It'd be a good first job, and it'd be a chance for Mike Zordich to to probably advance his uh, playing career. Maybe Brian Hartline. I'll start that. Brian Hartline in Youngstown State. Well, hey. it must be that Mike Trestle doesn't want the Youngstown State job because it's been open long enough that if Uncle Jim was going to be able to get Mike to come and take it, I would think he would have taken it already. Again, I don't think it's... Money-wise, doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, money-wise. Yeah. Well, Bo Pelini lost his job at Nebraska and needed a job, so any job is well, better than Bo no job. Bo was also getting play, uh, paid... By Nebraska. Nebraska, yeah, that's true. So that and I'll, Bo looked at it as an avenue to get back in, you know, become a head coach somewhere else. And I think Bo, Bo didn't do a terrible job at Nebraska. They haven't been as good at Nebraska since he left no, as they were the when he was there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so lots of Ohio State ties to the whole uh, Michigan State thing, and we'll see how that unfolds, and maybe have details for you on Friday, as I'm sure more will come about or come to light on whether Luke Fickle wants it or doesn't want it. Uh, we have a lot of emails and a lot of reviews. Uh, so let's go through the Baker Mayfield story from the Super Bowl just quickly because we wanted to mention it. Right. Uh, he did a thing with ESPN and Rex Ryan. Yes. Right? Who Rex Ryan criticized him during the season. And if Baker, you know, he claps back at everybody. He's like Trump. Trump could walk past a house and be three blocks away and the dog would bark and Trump would go back and bark at the dog. And Baker's that way. Uh, so Baker to Rex Ryan said of his year where he didn't play well and was always investing in things that have nothing to do with winning. He said, it's a humbling experience. It's a different ball game. I mean, let's be honest. I put my foot in my mouth a lot this past year and I'm going to internalize that. And I think that's the way I need to handle it. As for being chip on the shoulder guy, he says, uh, I've always had a chip on my shoulder, but I've always played with an edge. Uh, it didn't come around to people noticing it until the cameras were all around, till it was a big deal where I was getting a spotlight and people made a big deal of that. I just have to be me. I have to continue to do that. But I don't need to reply to the stuff on the outside. So I need to internalize that and motivate everyone else around me. So I remember sending you a tweet mm -hmm. uh, about how Kirk Cousins, who was getting ripped this year, how he responded. And I asked you, do you think Baker would respond like this? And you said, no, because a professional quarterback doesn't respond like that. Do you remember like, that? Like Baker, yeah. 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 And so, for me, that's what I've been saying all along, right? The I, interview was Kirk Cousins on the Dan Patrick Show. This is how the text started. I, and I thought, well, you're, you know, Rick's your brother in the Vikings, yeah. and maybe you want to hear Kirk Cousins. So I'm like, hey, Spiels, Kirk Cousins coming up on the oh, Dan Patrick right. Show. And you go, he doesn't say anything. In other words, I'm not going to listen because right. he's boring. And I, I, I could give you the answers, correct. Yeah, he, said he doesn't say anything. And I said, just like a professional <laughs> quarterback should. Do you th I, I mean, I think Baker, I hope that's sincere. I hope I it think is. he's, he's been humble. Because I heard I do, some good and I heard some eh, in there. Well, I, I think there's a little bit of, yeah, I get the message, all right? I've had enough. I'm going to. Get it. I understand it enough. Let's not stop. Let's stop talking about it. I know my shortcoming. And, and with a guy, believe me, I played with a chip on my shoulder. He doesn't need to answer everybody, especially at that position. 
what he needs to do, and it sounds like this is the first step. And I talked about this when I did uh, Dustin uh, Fox's show mm-hmm. and with the other guy. 92.3 The Fan with yeah. Adam the Bull in Cleveland. Okay, and, I, and we talked about this, and I said, look, Baker Mayfield can carry that chip and that edge on his shoulder. He just doesn't need to tell everybody about it. Just let your play do the talking. That's all you have to do. You don't need to pick a fight with everybody because you're not going to win because everybody's going to pick a fight with you. Yeah. Being a starting quarterback is a lot like being the president of the United States. You're going to get criticized yep. no matter what you do. Or so being you a host can't, of a podcast. Or being a host of a podcast. <laughs> you can't answer every single critic. You used to answer every single critic. Like, Stupid. when you first started doing yeah, radio, it's the same thing. You had to respond to everybody that criticized I you. I had to be right. I had to not only respond, right. I had to be right. And I had to... And, and it'd be and you like, had to make an argument yeah, of being right. And you wait, how much energy did you waste? Seriously, how much mental energy did you waste in trying to be right all the time? You can't do it. You can't. Nope. And you can't do it at a quarterback level of the National Football League because you're not going to win, and the only thing you're going to do is burn yourself out. You can still be yourself. You can still play with that chip on your shoulder. You can, and, I, and I do believe in internalizing things. If you need to let it all out, call your buddies and have a beer and let it all out or whatever you do. But in the public's eye, you need to internalize it. And it's, it's, a, it's a cliche. It's, it was a commercial. Never let them see you sweat. You can't let them see you sweat because when they see you sweat, that is just like sharks to blood. Yes, sir. As a journalist, you know that. As a fan, if you see on Twitter, if somebody sees they get under your skin, they just keep coming at you and they encourage you. You lived it. In Absolutely. a much smaller way, not not that you're smaller, but we were a local no, little radio yeah, show. Yeah, no, it's, it's just dumb. It's unproductive. It doesn't get you anywhere. State your position. You you used to quote a scripture all the time. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's like, okay, sometimes we're not going to agree. I don't need to keep trying to convert you, and I don't need to, as you say, expend the mental energy on trying to convert you. Exactly. It's just no point, which is a really good time for us to transition okay. to... The reviews and the emails, and I sense just from a glance, because when you pull up the reviews, you get a little, you get the first like three sentences of them. So I think there's going to be a theme to this today, and uh, and I I understand the theme. So uh, let's go to let's do the first one here. This is from uh, from Studda. Tremendous podcast, great insight in sports, followed by a thoughtful, inspirational commentary on faith. Keep up the outstanding work, brothers. Thank you very much. Five star. Then here's a one star, which we say we read them all. And uh, Hansen, I just listened to Bruce Hooley discuss the Super Bowl halftime show. His main reason for disliking it was that it was Latino themed. He said football was American. I'm just read the podcast, then we'll respond. He said football was American. Why can't the halftime show be American? Translation, America is for old white men like me. Get this un-American Latino stuff off my TV. What a joke. Latino people are American too, Bruce. At your next Bible study, maybe look up the Good Samaritan story. Uh, Fair point. I don't believe my... What was my main objection to the halftime show? That it was Latino? I did say uh, I needed subtitles to understand the song lyrics. And I did say... 
there's nothing wrong with celebrating America, and I suggested we do uh, occasionally do a country music halftime show since country music is the most popular genre of music in America. But I said I get it, Latina music in Miami. But what was my main objection to the Super Bowl halftime show? The sexual nature of it. Thank you. Yes, my main objection to the Super Bowl halftime show was certainly not that it was Latin-themed. It was that I thought it was inappropriate for viewers of all ages. So uh, I would just say that. But you're, you, you have a, a good point in there about uh, tolerance in the fact that you know all people are children of God and loved by God, and I hope that my actions and uh, attitudes demonstrate that I 100% agree with that. Okay. All right, so here we, we put it out there. My thoughts on the Super Bowl were that it was inappropriate and you know stripper-themed and all this stuff, and we asked for emails to SpielmanandHooley.com, particularly from women— uh, to uh, tell us what you thought. Because my other objection to it was in the sexual nature of it was, I'm like, come on, that's not empowering to women. Like, that's not, imp- my, my daughters, I don't want my daughters looking at that, gaining the message that the way for me to be accepted is to flaunt my sexuality okay. in that way. Can I respond to yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Well, I think how you raise your daughters, and your daughters aren't in the entertainment world, one of them aspires to be. Okay. One who's not athletic really aspires to then be. And she's got to hold true to who she is, how she was raised, and what her standards are going to be. I think with J-Lo and Shakira, they might have a different view than you and I do on expressing sexuality. Uh, I think the NFL knew when you, when you hire Shakira and J-Lo to do a performance – that's what their performance is going to be. And um, we have a right, just as people have a right here, if you don't agree with that halftime performance, then we have the right, hey, not watching it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to uh, uh, be a part of this. You have that choice and that decision. And I, I know that some people were very upset. Well, my kids couldn't watch a halftime show. Well, then that's a choice that you make. Yeah. Uh, other people found it enjoyable, and and it goes back to my point, is that I, I I thought it was very sexual. I didn't look at it as sexual for some reason because I just don't I don't know. I just didn't see that. What I saw was just this is just me, and and I, I, I believe me, I am not kowtowing to anybody, but I just saw well, that's a pretty talented move, and you know, sure those outfits are skimpy, but that's. Maybe I'm callous to that. I just didn't, like, oh, my gosh, that outfit was so skimpy. I said, man, 50 years old, I wonder what she's doing to train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, or, I know you. That, or, that, I kept, that was... I, or Shakira, 43, man, she's got abs. That that's that was my mindset, right? right? And, and then I thought, like I talked to you about, I wonder if these entertainers like football players visualize mm-hmm. – their performance, and I wonder if the practice is like, or the rehearsal is like a practice. And is there a coach overseeing this? And there's a coordinator for dances. Is there an offensive coordinator yeah. or, or head coach for Jay? That that's how I looked at it, and and you know that's just my mindset. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the sexual part of it. Yeah, fine. I, well, that that's a little over the top, but I it just kind of goes past me. Does yeah. does that make that's sense? Great. To yes, you? I think it does. I think it defines your background. You know, you brought it to that, and you're like, and I thought your points were interesting. I'd never thought about that, like the practices for it. Yeah, that's that's, that's the figured, first. I know thing. you practice, but, but I figure it's just like a you get yeah. out there and you wing it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just wonder what it's like. I would like to see 
that practice and the and you know somebody what? stops it and goes no 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 yeah, yeah I, that's that's an interesting I mean, point. I, I did see a chorus line with Michael Douglas many years ago, and mm-hmm. and you know I and it gave me an appreciation of the effort that these people put into entertaining. Yeah, you know, and and again, I'm I, like it's not something that I'm sitting there celebrating. Oh, take more clothes off. I just don't see it like that. Does that? Do I am I? I think you're in a minority, significant I, I think minority I, I, I think of men. I am in a significant, but that doesn't minority. mean your points aren't valid or uh, insightful, right? Uh, so here's an email from Christy. She says, "As a woman, I agree with Bruce. The Super Bowl halftime show was disgusting. I was so grateful my husband chose not to watch it. There was certainly a lot of thought and creativity poured into the show. However, I certainly thought it was degrading to women, not empowering in all our creativity, cre- in all our creativity and artistic talent." Can we not come up with a show that is encouraging for all? Probably not in this era, as Chris pointed out to me the other day. No, there's nothing. There's no way to do anything that's not offensive to somebody. I had a guy yesterday, a friend of mine, who uh, we do not share at all the same political opinions. Which, yes, I have friends who don't share the same political opinions, which I'd encourage all of us to have. Okay, but we're friends. I really like this guy. I pray for this guy, and he's a good guy, talented guy. And he said, and he, made, he, he enlightened me, he said, to your point on female empowerment, he said, I, he said to J-Lo and Shakira, and to many others, but particularly to those two performers, that performance does demonstrate their view of female empowerment. It's empowering for them as a 40-whatever-year-old and a 50-year-old yeah. to get out there and show that they can still do it and they still got it and la, la, la. It's empowering to them. He's like, it might not be empowering to right. you or your idea of what a female empowerment would be or what you want it to be for your daughters, but to them, it's empowering. I and I guess, was like, that makes sense. You know what? I guess that's how I feel if, if you think about it because what was my first thing was – Man, I wonder what they're doing to train. Yeah, uh, you know that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I that's a very good point, and it's a good way, and that's what you get. By the way, a good lesson there for all of us. That's what you get when you talk to people, as a talk as opposed to talking over people. You hear another person's point of view. You actually give that point of view some thought. Then you make a decision on whether I can use that information or not use that information, or is that information relevant or educational to me where I can look at it from a different point of view. So I thank your friend for that because he helped me define my point better. And I'll tell you who he is later because you know him. Uh, So hopefully that's what that talking to people, not over people, is what brings us to our next email. Okay. So Matt emails the show. uh, on I love the headline. On Monday, and the headline on the email is, Bruce is an unevolved caveman. <laughs> he says, it's refreshing to see how progressive Chris is with his opinions. Oh, gosh. I've never in my life been described that way. Been, been described as progressive. I do have some progressive views, as you know, but yeah. not many. He says, Hooli thinks J-Lo is un-American. However, hillbillies like Toby Keith are. I'm glad I don't live in your version of America. You can't watch a halftime show without having impure sexual thoughts. You're either just trying to come off as a great Christian or you have some warped, perverted feelings. I watch with my wife and daughter. I never once thought impure thoughts. Then again, I don't expose my faith to the world like you seem to do. It's impossible. No, excuse me. It's possible 
to see a beautiful woman without having sexual thoughts. I love how Hooli loves to talk about his faith, and yet he is as spiteful as always. Perhaps you should show some humility. So I responded to Matt. I said, thanks for your email, Matt, and listening to the podcast. We will discuss your email on Wednesday's show. Appreciate the honest feedback. And then Matt emails me back yesterday. He says, ugh, when I... I sent it when I was hot and bothered watching all of the garbage Trump stuff and heard your podcast. Mm -hmm. I probably should have taken my advice and wrote the email and saved it until I chilled. Oh, well, I can't remember what I wrote, but I hope it wasn't too mean. Uh, Hashtag double negative. Uh, It was fine. That's fine. Uh, So I think that's an example of hopefully a gentle answer turns away wrath. Hopefully Matt and I could have a conversation about it. And dis- yeah. and disagree without being disagreeable, right? Uh, yeah, and I don't think J Lo's un-American at all. I think J Lo is. My point is on J Lo is story. <laughs> J Lo is quintessentially American. <laughs> what my dad fought in World War II for. What I, I just to ha- come to America and then to apply your cultural background and assimilate into American culture and abide by the American system of hard work and achievement and letting your talent she's awesome. the quintessential american yes. story and i want to see that story continue i that's why we have men and women serving overseas and those are the absolute american values i fight for and defend and when i talk about america that's the america i'm talking about and i want to see that continue uh in all ways shapes and forms right. that's my view of the greatness of america and it's what differentiates it from other countries i think where the the mix-up comes is you you weren't really criticizing J Lo or Shakira because you I mean you knew what they are that's their performers and they're performers that are going to state their opinions and perform and they have a right to do that I think where the problem is is that you have messages of you know commercials of the NFL of empowering women which is great and fine but then you have a mixed message of where do we have to do it by showing, you know, uh, all-female football team and how far we've come, right, in the commercial. Then we have what some people would say a halftime show that was totally sex, nothing yeah, else. It, yeah, it went back. It, it, it goes back and forth. Like what do you want? It glorified yeah. objectifying women and displaying their sexuality above everything else. And this is, again, in my opinion— that are attitudes that I thought in the Me Too era and everything we're trying to get away from. Yeah, so and I, I think hope that's, we're trying to get away from that. But I don't. But the, the whole point was you're not blaming Shakira, not at all, or J Lo for the performance. You're just saying what messages are we sending? Which what do you want here? Which which direction are we going? And maybe we want everything. We can do it both ways. I, I mean, don't. Know. We were, I was said I said Sunday night we were at a Bible study slash Super Bowl party. We turned the halftime show off because. With J-Lo and Shakira, you know what you're getting. It's not like I turned it on and thought we're going to get, you know, decorum and modesty. I right. know I know what I'm getting, so I chose not to yeah. view it, but I knew you want to talk about it, so I watched it later and, on TV. And, and one more response to Matt, and I appreciate Matt sending that Absolutely. email. Absolutely. Uh, I expose my faith probably as much or more than Bruce, only because maybe I'm in the public eye just a little bit mm-hmm. more, and... We both will continue to expose our faith, Matt, but Bruce will not impose his faith on you, and I will never impose my faith on you, and that's not our job. 
It's your job to uh, discern for yourself whether what we say is right or what is wrong and what you did, and you can have an opinion for it, and you can form your own opinion. But I can tell you that Bruce is is not trying to impose anything on you. He's giving you an honest feeling, an emotion, a feedback from his experience. Just take the information, and I'm glad that he responded back to you because you two now are talking to each other. Mm -hmm as opposed to talking over each other. Look, I'm a big boy, and I fully know and own that I made my bed with many people years ago with my combativeness, and it was not godly, and I wish I could erase it. I cannot erase it. I can only try to uh, be better. You've referred to how I used to be on this podcast. It's 100% accurate. It was You didn't even equate it as bad as it was at its worst, and it was bad at its worst. And so I understand it, uh, why people feel about me in many of the ways that they do, uh, and I regret it, but you can't live with regret. You can, you got, I got today to do differently, mm -hmm. to do better, and that's what I'm endeavoring to do. So I understand why I wouldn't get a second chance with many people, and I'm grateful for the second chance that I get with some people. Uh, email from Todd. Gents, I have to report, I did the research, and I can confirm that both the Super Bowl entertainers got into such great shape by walking and cycling 6,000 miles right. in the past year. Spiels, that's what you will look like by November. <laughs> Holy cow. That's a great. Are you going to dress like Shakira and J-Lo when you come in here? Are you going to have like a Zeke Elliott uh, T-shirt with your abs exposed when you come out here into the hinterlands? I, I, know my, I know my role and I know my style. Okay. That's just not me. All right. Very good. Uh, just Todd. But, Thank you, Todd. Now I know what to expect. So before maybe we'll grab a before picture today. Let me um I want to ask you what was the 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 turning point because even I hope you don't mind me asking this over no, the you air can ask but me I did, anything. even at the zone you were combative a little bit. Yeah. Is is just losing a job? The yeah, whole, it's humble. It's like God the whole saying, humbling experience. The whole humbling experience. Isn't I gave a speech in West Virginia last Thursday and I said God has used job adversity in my life to uh, take, remember we talked about the spiritual chisel? Mm -hmm. like bam, bam, bam. I'm going to knock that off of you. I'm a hardhead. I probably could have played like you in the NFL for years and never got a concussion. I got a hard head. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stubborn. And God has had to, okay, here we go. I Three years ago, I chiseled that off and it's grown back, so I'm going to chisel it off again. The The fact that job adversity makes me cry out and search what am i what am i doing i'm searching for on a bu bunch of fronts i'm searching for comfort i'm searching for direction what to do next i'm repenting of my behavior that i think has perhaps contributed to why god needs to get my attention so yeah it's that's my thing is when the zone folded all of a sudden i had to take it was a jolt it was life grabbing me by little lapels it was it was a, a seminal moment in my life. And, hey, I can't sit here and guarantee you if I find something that solves some of the concerns that I have financially that I won't get lazy again. I hope two, three times now that this has happened, I've learned the lesson and ingrained the lesson, and I have the joy of the past year where, man, I love living this way. I mm -hmm. love looking at people this way. I love having more patience. I love being more humble. Yeah. I love being, 
I hope that sticks, but I can't make you any guarantees. I just um, I have a stronger desire to serve today than I had before. And also, this podcast, I mean, I've put it out there a million times. Like, if I go back and be a jerk again, it's like, what kind of testimony is, is that? But isn't it amazing? And I've gone through through a, a similar transformation, and yours was more sudden. Mine was over a period of time. I, I think by being competitors, you're naturally combative. This is my theory. That by being competitive, we're naturally combative, and so, and we are what I like to say. I watch this on. I have no shame in saying this. I've watched this on Doctor Phil, while on the stairmaster, and Doctor Phil, he said something one day, and this might have been two or three years ago, where he mm-hmm. said, "You're a right fighter. All you want to do, and you talked about this. All you want to do is be right, 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 and you want everybody to know that you're right." as opposed to getting the results that you want. And I've learned even through, I would, you know, you wish you can take this knowledge that you have now or this grace. Mm-hmm. Let's call it grace from yeah. the Holy Spirit. You wish you can take this grace now and almost start your life, oh, I do at oh, times, yeah, big time. on how I've talked to people in the past, how I've responded to certain situations. Um, I've actually, as this transformation happened to me, I've actually been embarrassed by things that I've said, completely embarrassed and humiliated. And how I responded to uh, certain news over a phone call or in arguments with coworkers or bosses. Not, and, you know, so you're not alone in this transformation. And that's where I've given myself a, a lot of thought. And I learned a lot um, when I had to be a, a single dad and a single parent. And I learned that, you know, what I am accomplishing is not going to be anything worthy if I don't start to listen instead of just telling. If I don't open my mind a little bit Mm. and start listening and start talking to my children as opposed to at my children, there's a difference in me. And the biggest thing was to listen. And to acknowledge somebody else and to actually think about what they're telling me. And that brings me, can I do something today or, or are we running out of time or it's a podcast? So I got to thinking, I wrote something on action and I heard it in church on Sunday. And faith in God requires action. In my opinion, Agreed. I don't know if you agree with that I do or agree. not. Yeah, it does. I mean, we might not agree on everything, but I think first word of the Great Commission is go. That's yeah. action. Action. Here, uh, just here's my notebook. Here, faith requires a response to put us into action. We have to listen and respond to the whispers of God. Be willing to listen. Be willing to hear. Be willing to respond. And go to your Bibles if you have Hebrews two, fourteen through eighteen. Jesus took action against the devil, right? You believe in the devil. Maybe not all Christians do, but I, on these two, on this podcast, believe in Satan and the devil. Against the devil who has the power of death. You agree with that, right? Yes. yes. So um, and people have been a slave to the fear of death their whole life. Would you agree with that? Yes. 
So what had to happen? So Jesus became like us in every way that he might be merciful and faithful to take the sins of the world tested in what he suffered so he can help us when we are being tested. Um, and so Jesus took action. And so then I was reminded of a verse in James that's one of my favorite verses. And I, I get grace is it. Grace is you're saved by grace alone. I, I get that. But here's something for you at home to take action and, and test yourself. James 2.17, a faith without action is a faith that is dead. That's a way to test yourself. Yeah. A faith without action is a faith that's dead. Now, why shouldn't we be afraid of taking action and what we do, you're taking action by doing this podcast, by responding to me emails. And I came across this verse, and it's one of my favorite verses, two verses of all time. It's Romans 8, 38, 39. I know you know it, yep. but for those that are new or exploring or just um, maybe saying, what are these guys talking about? Here's the promise that you have. This is why you have to have courage. You have to have strength, and you have to do everything in love. Because of this promise, and this is Paul speaking to the Romans, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created things, uh, nor, uh, excuse me, sorry, nor any other created things shall be able to, to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can separate you once you find that love and once you, ex- more importantly, accept that love. You're never going to be alone. You're never going to be separated. You are secure and marked for eternity. So do not be afraid to take action. Like I would say that Matt took action. He did. When he emailed you. Then you emailed and took action and responded to Matt in a humbling, graceful manner. Then Matt responded to you where now you can have an actual conversation with Matt. The guy that told you that maybe for Shakira and J-Lo, they were showing how they have been empowered. You had a conversation with them and made you think at least you might not agree with it well, i do but, agree with it he's he made great point but he made you think so my encouragement to everybody out there is to take action and know that you are protected and and that god nothing i mean he's talking about angels and and demons and death and life nothing will ever separate you so with that knowledge go forth and take action yeah i Look, I did not do and say everything perfectly the other day, and that's my danger. That's my minefield. I have to be careful with that. Matt called me out on it. Uh, I understand he and others who did. I'm not saying I was 100% wrong. I'm not saying he was 100% right, but I think there's room for uh, enlightenment, my view to him, his view to mine, or at least understanding. We may, we will probably never reach 100% accord. No. But we can be at peace with to. each other. We can be at peace with each other. And I hope we uh, are moving toward that, or I hope uh, that we are. And in terms of your uh, verse from James, uh, that's an awesome verse. Uh, the way I remember it is, faith without works is dead. And people say, well, you can't work your way to heaven. No, you can't. Chris is right. It's all grace. The 
to me, the best way for me to describe the difference, the distinction between what Jesus did, which is 100% sufficient at the cross, and what we do serving him out of gratitude for what he did for us, is that what Jesus did is your credential to get into heaven. You claim it 100%. This is how I get in. This is my ticket. Right. What you do for him is evidence that you understand what he did for you, and you're willing to do things for him because you're so grateful for what he did for you. Yeah, well, and and the other thing, taking action could be just uh, like you experienced. Wait a second. Let me be more humble in how I answer people. It doesn't mean sell everything and move to a poor country in Africa and become a missionary all the time. That may be your action, but it can be as small as saying a prayer that day for the very first time. We're just here to encourage you. That's all. Absolutely. Take action, folks. All right. Uh, Mr. Spielman is off to a little mini vacation in uh, Florida. So, uh, true confession, he will not be here on Friday. I don't want to do a bait and switch. I don't want people to think they're going to get you on Friday. They're not. Hopefully, the people who uh, are regulars on the podcast will listen. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do on Friday content-wise, but there's always stuff. (laughs) And it'd be a good week. Talk it, about recruiting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a good time if you uh, want to email or ask questions and stuff. I know a lot of people think, well, I don't care what you think, Bruce. I'd rather have Chris's opinion. No, that's not true. But if if you have something you want to ask, uh, Friday's a fertile time to have opportunity to yeah. get it on the show. And if it is for Chris, great. We'll tackle it on uh, Monday. So everybody have a great week. Happy National Signing Day, kids. (laughs) We'll talk to you then.